Hello and welcome to the Greenfield Baptist Sermons Podcast. Each week we will be uploading the Focus Scripture and Sermon from Greenfield Baptist Church in Northeast Pennsylvania. Thank you for joining us and enjoy. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the blessing of your love. It never fails, it never gives up, it never runs out. Your sacrifice was for us. You poured out your love on the cross so that we could be brought back to you. And no matter what we do, you always come chasing back after us. And we thank you so much for that. In your precious and holy name we pray. Amen. All right. Kiddos, if you want to sneak off, you can sneak off. And then because we did our Big Hug Sunday with a little virtual video, I moved the video to right before the sermon. So you guys want to roll that for me. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. In my 21 years of life so far, I've learned a lot of things about myself and about this world around me. I've learned that I love art and creating. I like pizza. I know sometimes I can be prideful and hard-headed. I know that I love music and I love films and just the presence of beauty. I guess I always thought I had everything figured out by this point in my life, but even through what I know, I still feel like it's so minuscule to the things that I don't know. Even down to the point of my life and my calling and just that my purpose on this earth, like there's just so much that I am actually very unsure of. Like I said, I know some stuff, but I feel like there's millions of things that I'm just like, God, I have no idea what I'm really doing. I just pray that you would lead me. But you know what? I'm learning to see that that's not maybe such a bad thing. Because when we're in this place of not knowing what we're supposed to do, we trust God with every single step, or at least it should push us to actually just sit and say, God, I don't know my ways, your ways are higher, and I want to walk in those ways, and I think just learning that calms me down much more at 22 years old, crazy creative person called God. It's okay to not have everything figured out. I found that video while I was kind of poking around trying to find something that I thought would be a good way to kickstart our message on love. And I was drawn to that for a couple of reasons. We'll really get to that at the end of the sermon. But 
I'll give you I'll give you a little sneak preview. The idea is that God's love for us includes his plan for our life. It includes the way that he wants to redeem us, the way that he wants us to draw nearer to him each and every day. And our love for God, conversely, should compel us to continue doing those things. And that in that process, it takes time. It's not something that happens immediately. It's not something that is achieved instantaneously. It is a path of learning, of growing, of developing, and of moving forward. That is a part of our spiritual life. And that needs to be driven by love. When we think of love, we often think of days like today where we have everything filled with with cute little, little hearts. And it might start with a cup of coffee and breakfast in bed and, uh, yeah, maybe roses or chocolate-covered strawberries. I don't even know what. And the world wants you to think that that's what love is, that it's something that you can go buy at Walmart in a box that's heart-shaped and has a red bow on it and it is $35 uh, so that they can profit off of this idea of love. Cheap Chinese love. I like that. I like that. Yeah, that's what they sell you at Walmart and the Hallmark store, right? But real love isn't about setting aside $150 to spend on, as I've heard it called, Daytona Day. Uh, as some people are more excited about the Daytona 500 than they are about Valentine's Day. I did a little poking around, and it's and it's often forgotten, but Valentine's Day was actually one of those saints' holidays. It's named after Saint Valentine, uh, who was a man of faith back, oh gosh, it was still during the Roman Empire, but it was during the decline. So I think it was around the uh, 200s or so. And there was a decree that was passed to try and make warriors more valiant. It forbade marriage at least of soldiers. So the idea was if they have no wife, they're not going to be as attached to their home country. They're not going to be as afraid. They're not going to be as easily tampered with because they don't have as much drawing them back. They don't have as much of a reason to come home, so they're going to go fight harder for their country, was the idea. But St. Valentine knew that this was bad, uh, we actually see in Paul's writing in, uh, I don't recall which book, but he wrote down that if someone is trying to stop you from being married, specifically for the sake of faith, that that's not okay. He definitely endorsed singleness and said if you can be single, that can be a great tool in your faith, but if you can't, go out and get married. So uh, just kind of branching off of that a little bit. He was marrying people, albeit illegally, and he lost his life for that. He lost his life for love, and that is why we celebrate love in association with St. Valentine. However, that got heavily capitalized by uh, places like Hallmark 
and now we see it as, you know, chocolate and, and roses and uh, I don't even know what all else. Probably not allowed to know what all else. We talked about it last week, right? Enough of that. If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. I was thinking about this, and I thought it would be kind of interesting. Don't worry, I'm not going to do this for too long. But I thought it would probably be pretty disorienting if I was back here. Bobby, oh, there we are. If I was back here and I was trying to preach a sermon and you kept hearing the cowbell the whole time while I was preaching. Yeah, that's pretty loud, right? Kind of disorienting, pretty annoying. Are you guys having fun? No, that's pretty annoying. It's pretty distracting. There's nothing really beneficial from that. It didn't add much to my sermon other than a good word picture for you. Don't worry, Bobby, I'm going to put the drumstick back where I found it. I put the cowbell back where I found it. Please don't be mad at me, Bobby. He's taller than I am. He's bigger than I am. He could probably beat me up, so I got to be nice to him, right? That's what it's like to do things without love, like that cowbell in the middle of the sermon. There's really no point to it, and all it does is distract from the other things going on. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. Those gifts are huge blessings. But Paul's saying if you don't have love, it's like that cowbell. It's annoying and it's pointless. Well, it's not. There are some songs that uh, I think have benefited from the cowbell. And cows have benefited from the cowbell, right? And farmers. And hockey players. What is, what, what, I don't, I must not know. Mark. Oh, okay, gotcha. And apparently hockey fans. So there, there are some benefits to cowbells, but they have to be in the right circumstance. It has to be in the right circumstance. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship or the flames, that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. So what is the point of these gifts? He talked about prophecy. He talked about giving all he had to the poor. He talked about several different things. Laying his life aside. But without love, there is no meaning. The point of having gifts is having love. I don't know how well you can read these from where you're sitting, but I'm going to go through both of these comments because they're both pretty funny. So here we've got a boy and a girl, and they're talking about giving. And it says, if God loves a cheerful giver, why are we supposed to give until it hurts? That's a really good question. I mean, we chuckle at it, but I think we chuckle because we relate to it. How are we supposed to be cheerful when we're called to give in excess? If you remember the story of the widow's mite, actually I have one in my office, I should have brought it out. Uh, but it's, it's a very small coin, um, it's much smaller than the pennies that we use today. 
and I believe they were also made out of copper back in the day. And it was pretty much the smallest unit of uh, currency that they had. And this widow gave one or two of them in an offering. And apparently, from what I have heard, when the wealthy came and donated, they had somebody following them with a cowbell talking about how great they were as they gave their gifts to the Lord. And it might be these elaborate spices and gold coins, and they would announce it, and it would be this, this big event, almost like a parade. Ooh, look at me. I'm giving my stuff. This is great. I'm awesome. God loves me. I love God. Hooray. We don't have a parade when we tithe, right? That's, that's not a thing we do? No? No. We could, yeah. But God actually says that those who do those things, their gift is that praise that they receive. But the widow who gave the little bitty pennies, she would be blessed more richly than they ever would because she gave all she had to give. This other comic, in addition to that, it's a little bit harder to read, but I thought it was funny. There's this big yellow sign, and it says, Help Feed the Hungry, and there's a chicken and there's a pig, and they're reading it. And the chicken says, You know, we ought to give some bacon and eggs to them so that we can help feed the hungry. And the pig says, For you, that would be a donation. For me, that would be a sacrifice. There's a big difference there between really giving and sacrificing yourself, giving till it hurts, and donating something smaller. God loves when we give, but we need to give out of love. And that's why we are given those gifts. He was talking about these crazy elaborate gifts. When he talks about prophecy here, I don't know if you recall, but when Paul listed the spiritual gifts, he essentially said that prophecy was one of the greater gifts that everyone should strive for. Yet, if we have that gift, but we don't have love, it's completely meaningless. The whole point of the gifts we have is to give them in love. And gifts without love are not gifts at all. Let's say that again. Gifts without love are not gifts at all. Next few verses. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. The first one listed there was patience. And I saw this picture while I was looking for pictures of patience. And it really struck me because I know that one of the times when I am least patient is when I am behind the wheel of an automotive vehicle. Usually I'm a pretty patient guy. I can deal with people's shenanigans. I can just kind of take it and run with it. Actually, Dan and I were talking about it uh, this last week. And he said, one of his bosses said, I would pay $50 any day to see what somebody's made of. 
and he would intentionally do things to try and irritate them, to make them mad, more or less just to see what they would do. And Dan says, you know, I've never seen you get mad. I've always been a pretty patient guy when it comes to other people. But when I'm in the car, that is a different story, man. I don't know what it is about people, but, oh, man, I don't, it's the feeling of the wheel, yeah, you do, you got to go. Yeah, that right foot, it gets heavy. It does. Because of the uh, statute of limitations, I'm not going to say how fast I've gone in my vehicle, nor where, nor when, but I have a heavy right foot. And I made a $153 contribution to the state a couple months ago because of my heavy right foot. <laughs> Fortunately, it did not go uh, on my record. Uh, the, the police officer was nice, and he wrote it down as, you know, five over, so it didn't get put on my, you know, I didn't get any points, and I didn't have to pay more in insurance, but, uh, yeah. So I learned my lesson, and I don't go fast on Station Road now. Yeah, Kenny says, when you guys are on Prindle, though, you got to watch out. Maybe, maybe. Get there up. Yeah. So as I was going through these, I realized something. This list of traits about love lines up pretty closely with the fruits of the Spirit. It kind of struck me. And they're both listed in very, well, list formats. Now, the font there is a little bit small, so I made another slide kind of comparing them. But, again, it's, it's like a list. Did anybody, did anybody know the song about the fruits of the spirits? Yes? No? No? As I, I'll be honest. I, I didn't learn the fruits of the spirit that way, so I don't really know the song. But I've heard people sing it. Uh, I think I've heard people do it to the Macarena. And th I think there's another one. But anyway. The fruits of the Spirit are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And so what I did was I went through, you know, love is patient, love is kind. It does not, does not, does not. I turned those does nots into positive things to kind of compare them. So instead of, uh, you know, love does not dishonor others, I switched that to being love is polite. Because uh, some of the translations say love uh, is not rude. So I kind of flipped those around and I made them positive statements. So love is patient, love is kind, love is content, as opposed to love does not envy. So again, love is content, love is humble, love is polite, love is selfless, and love is long-tempered. I, I didn't know a good word for that other than patient, uh, but it was that love is not easily angered. Long-suffering, ooh, that's, a, that's another good one. It's a five-cent word, as I've heard is said in Mark's house. Apparently, I had a couple of those on Friday. I don't remember what they were. Yeah. But I, I know I did. I did. Nathan, Nathan said that I, I had a chintzy was one of them. Yeah, chintzy. I used the word chintzy. Uh, yeah, it is a good word. And I explained uh, that uh, chintzy was, you know, derived from a fabric that was pretty common a while ago. Yeah, more or less. 
Mark said, meaning cheap Chinese love. I was, I was talking about how um, some things are a little bit cheap, and so we had to be careful because uh, we got some of our decorations and things from, uh, you know, Dollar General and whatnot, and so we wanted to be careful with them and keep them nice because we didn't want them to be broken so that we could reuse them because we want to be thrifty and we want to get the most out of our money because we want to be nice with the things that we had. And boy, it was a blessing on Friday night. Uh, we had over 20 people come, uh, and they came and they sat down. And I would say they had a relatively nice dining experience. I was a little bit more picky about the way that some of the things turned out. Um, but I was also the chef, so uh, I could see where things went wrong. Speaking of, if you want some leftover spaghetti, uh, there is some in the refrigerator. There's also leftover slices of cheesecake that are garnished with whipped cream, strawberries, and mint leaves. So, yeah. If you're interested in any of those things, I would encourage you to sneak over to the fridge at some point uh, in the church kitchen uh, and take one to go. But all this going back to love is this list of things. And a lot of those things line up with the fruits of the Spirit. We got patient here, right? And we got patient here. Ooh. We've got kindness over here. What's this? <gasps> kindness is over here. Wow. Man. So they line up. But how do we get the fruits of the Spirit? It's not the fruits of us, right? It's the fruits of the Spirit. It's not the fruit of Brentley. It's the fruit of the Spirit. So true love only comes through the Holy Spirit. Last verse, love never fails. But where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. See, these gifts like prophecies, these gifts like tongues, these gifts like spiritual knowledge, they're temporary. They only last as long as God sees fit that you have that gift, which might only be a season in your life. It might not even be from the moment you're saved until you're dead. It might only be for a season of your life. Yet love never fails. Love, the love of the Lord, is everlasting. These gifts are not what we are to strive for. These gifts aren't the end point because those gifts are temporary. They will fade away. That's not what we're chasing after. That is something that is a result of our holy living. If it was what we were chasing after, if we were chasing after those gifts, you might as well go for a bunch of self-help books and watch YouTube tutorials on how to be nice, how to be patient. Now, I'm not saying that you can necessarily learn those things from a YouTube video. But if that's really what your goal is, to just change your behavior, you shouldn't be in church, you should be in therapy. You know what I mean? God is after your whole heart. 
He's not after some of the outward things that you do. Love is everlasting, but these gifts are temporary. Jesus told us that if we love him, that we will follow his commandments. Jesus wants our love for one another, but he wants our love for him as well, right? Well, if we love him, we're supposed to do his commandments. What are his commandments? To love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, and all your soul, and to love your neighbor as yourself. And those are the two commandments that he said are the big ones. What happened was the Pharisees, they were trying to trip him up. They were saying, hey, Jesus, what's the best rule ever that God ever made? But he was on to it. He knew. He was like, best rule God ever made, well, I was love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul. They're like, dag nabbit. So they didn't trick him. He was, he was good at doing that. So how do we do this? How do we love the Lord our God with all our heart, mind, and soul and love our neighbor as ourselves? Well, it goes back to what love is. In order to love people, we need to know what love is. But in order to love, as we just talked about back here with the fact that the list of love and the list of the fruits of the Spirit are pretty much the same, we've got to do that through the Holy Spirit. So in order to really love the Lord our God, in order to really love our neighbors, we've got to lean on Him for that. It was John 14, 15 where Jesus had said, if you love me, keep my commandments. So how do we fulfill these things? How do we go out and love others? Because sometimes we're in the car behind a dump truck. Sometimes you've had a really long day and you come home and the kitchen is a mess and the kids walked in the house with mud on their shoes. Sometimes It's hard. Sometimes your patience is thin. Sometimes you're worn out and you don't have it in you. How do we love others? How do we love the Lord our God in those circumstances? Mm. When Jesus is in your heart. Amen. Amen to that. You can't do it without God. That's what real love is. Last week, I know we went real heavy into the more amorous side of love, which was challenging, and it was weird, and we had a good laugh a couple times. But this is where the rubber meets the road. Because you're only supposed to be amorous with your spouse. You're supposed to love everybody. Ugh. I mean, I, I know we don't normally say that out loud, but that's not fun. It's not. 
Yeah, you d- <laughs> there, there is some truth to that. Glenn said you don't have to like them. I mean, when you watch the news and you see what some of these people do out there, it's hard to love your neighbor. Mm, it is hard to love yourself. In order to do that, we need to surrender our hearts to God. The Bible says that the heart is deceitful above all things. It's not about what lies inside our hearts. It's about surrendering those things to the Lord. Because God is our source of love. God is where we get these positive traits. And God never fails. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your love that never fails us. We thank you for the sacrifice you made on the cross. We thank you for your Holy Spirit and how it is able to permeate us, to transform us, and to help us love our neighbors, love our spouses, love our family, and love ourselves. We thank you for all these positive things that love is. And we thank you for being those things even when we can't. Lord, you have forgiven us for everything we've ever done if we put our faith in you. Help that faith to transform us and help us to forgive those who have hurt us. Help us to be patient with those who frustrate us. Help us to be kind, to not be rude. Help us to be content with the things you've blessed us with. And help us to seek you first. Lord, if there's anyone in this room who does not have that relationship with you, who doesn't know what that love looks like, pray that you would give them the courage to reach out. And God, we pray that our hearts would be made humble before you, that we would be drawn to you, and that we would remember what true love really is on this holiday, commemorating someone who died to help promote that love that you offer. We lift these things up in your precious and holy name.